Hello, I'm Andrea Wade, the host of Brand Gems, the podcast where I highlight a person, brand, or organization and discuss the key elements that contributed to their success. I'm a marketing strategist, brand architect, and an MBA who likes a little Fast Company and Forbes mixed in with her Netflix binges. I'm also a consultant who enjoys discovering those rare nuggets that make a business unique. Listen to Brand Gems for ideas to leverage in your personal and professional endeavors. Now let's begin the treasure hunt. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Brand Gems. This episode is about Robin Rihanna Fenty, global superstar and billionaire businesswoman, all before the age of 35. I've had her on my list for a while as I've been very impressed by her business moves. Of course, there are a few of her songs that I like, but really it's been her business moves that have stood out to me. She started out in the very competitive music industry, and she was still able to make a substantial impact. Music made her a millionaire, and she could have likely just focused on that path alone for several decades and been quite successful. But she decided to diversify her revenue streams to leverage her fame and popularity into other areas of interest. Rihanna's road to billionaire status is paved with brand gems, so let's get started. Rihanna has a tattoo that sets up this episode quite well. It reads, never a failure, always a lesson. I think that's something good for us to keep in mind. She didn't have an easy life. She was born in Barbados. Her father was an alcoholic and the family was poor. She did early on show her entrepreneurial inclinations and she frequently accompanied her father to sell clothing from the road. She also sewed sweets and other small items in school. Due to her father's addictions, food money was frequently spent on drugs and alcohol, so Rihanna's financial contributions were needed at an early age. She did manage to find time for fun, and one thing that she really enjoyed to do was to sing. So in high school, Rihanna formed a group with her friends. This gave her the performing experience that she needed and helped her to refine her talents. In 2003, Rihanna was discovered by American record producer Evan Rogers. He was vacationing in Barbados with his wife, and while there, he happened to meet Rihanna. He was impressed by her singing abilities and offered to work with her to help develop her music career. Rihanna was still in high school, and she was initially hesitant about pursuing a music career. However, after some persuasion from Rogers and her family, she decided to give it a try. So a year later, in 2004, Rogers arranged for Rihanna to come to the United States to record some demo songs with him. They then sent these demos to various record labels, and eventually it caught the attention of Jay-Z, who was then the president of Def Jam Recordings. Jay-Z was impressed by Rihanna's singing abilities and signed her to Def Jam Recordings. She was 16. Her debut album, Music of the Sun, was released a year later in 2005, when she was 17. Since starting her music career, Rihanna has dominated the music industry. Her accomplishments in music include numerous awards, nine Grammys, 13 American Music Awards, and 12 Billboard Awards, as well as multiple appearances on the top charts and total album sales of 54 million worldwide. She is second only to the Beatles for the most million-selling singles in the UK of all time. She's also starred in films such as Battleship, Annie, and Ocean's 8. In 2007, she released Umbrella, her breakout hit, and by that time, she had reportedly had a net worth of close to $50 million from album sales, touring, and endorsement. But shockingly, just two years after that, her income had dwindled substantially down to about $2 million due to what we think was misappropriation from her accounting team. 
Also that year, Jay-Z left Def Jam, and he would go on to launch his own label, Rock Nation. In 2010, Rihanna turned over her management to Rock Nation and eventually left Def Jam to join Rock Nation in 2014. This shift in management also signaled a shift in Rihanna's approach to her career. It signaled an expansion into other areas, including in 2011 when she started to launch different fragrance lines. She released her first fragrance, Rebel Fleur, and the scent sold $80 million in the first year. Since that first fragrance release, she has launched roughly one fragrance a year. She also began serving as creative director for different brands. Her style had evolved at this point, and she'd turned into more of this edgy-type icon, someone that many inspired to be like, dress like, clearly smell like. And so she was an attraction for different brands. One of her first deals was with Puma. This deal was reportedly worth $1 million. She was involved in the design of some of the brand's products, particularly footwear. This was a move that led to a 16% increase in sales for Puma. She also would go on to work with other brands such as Mac, River Island, Armani, CoverGirl, and Dior. These connections not only earned her a nice check, but more importantly, they helped her to learn the business and to develop key partnerships. Although these partnerships paid well, they were more work-for-hire type deals. She wasn't an owner. She earned a fee and maybe a percentage of sales. But as stated previously, the, the real value was in what she learned about the retail business. On another front, Rihanna owns all of her masters. This is extremely rare, especially for a female artist. She reportedly made this move when she left Def Jam in 2012. She acquired the original recordings to all of her songs when she went over to Rock Nation. And then as part of her Rock Nation deal, she formed her own label. So this allowed her to release music as well as to receive a major percentage of the royalties. The music business is risky, tastes are fickle, and Rihanna seemed to take on a strategy that would uh, avoid some of these ups and downs. She diversified. A lot of emphasis is placed on the artist or the talent of the artist as their main asset, but Rihanna was able to figure out early on that her greatest asset would be leveraging her brand power into securing ownership and partnership with many of the world's most powerful brands. Rihanna was able to achieve billionaire status by age 33, which is 16 years faster than Jay-Z, who, if you remember, that's whose label she was initially signed to at age 16 and who she would join again years later. He definitely helped her to chart her path, and she became a prime example of using her brand as a stepping stone to build real ownership, equity, and wealth. Her efforts were intentional, and she separated her side hustle from her main gig. As she even described herself, Rihanna is music, but her other brands are called Fenty. She didn't want people to hear Rihanna all the time. Rihanna continued releasing music, but then she also took time to focus on her business ventures. And in 2017, when she returned with a new album called Robin Rihanna Fenty, she also signaled a new chapter in her career when she launched her first business venture, Fenty Beauty. Rihanna's Fenty Beauty line was launched in September of 2017. She launched it in partnership with an LVMH-owned company that had also worked with Kat Von D and Marc Jacobs Beauty. 
The line was initially launched with a range of 40 shades of foundation with the goal of catering to a diverse range of skin tones. Rihanna made it a point to ensure that the line would cater to a wide range of skin tones and undertones, and her emphasis on inclusivity and representation is something that made the brand stand out and really resonated with consumers. It was one of her key success factors with Fenty Beauty. Fenty Beauty also received critical acclaim for its high-quality, long-wearing formulas and innovative products. The success and impact of Fenty Beauty was evident from the very beginning. The line sold out within hours of its launch. I remember going to several Sephora's trying to find my shade and all stores just being sold out and even the salespeople just not having any idea when things would be in stock again. I have to say, although I was a little disappointed, I actually felt a, a little bit of pride that this young woman of color had launched something and that it was being received so well and, and really just putting the beauty world on notice that, yes, women of color want and deserve products that are specially designed with them in mind. In 2020, Fenty Beauty became the first billion-dollar brand for LVMH, and it continues to be one of the most popular and successful beauty lines in the industry. In addition to its commercial success, Fenty Beauty has also been recognized for the positive impact it's had on the beauty industry. Fenty Beauty has been credited with pushing other companies to embrace inclusivity and diversity in their own product lines and has set a new standard for representation and accessibility in the beauty industry. The success of Fenty Beauty signaled to Rihanna that she was definitely on to something and that there were definitely more opportunities to serve a customer group that had been overlooked or taken for granted. In 2019, she launched her lingerie line, Savage X Fenty. Online shoppers waited several hours online, in line, on the day of the launch to access her products. And its 40-piece debut collection sold out in under a month. The first year alone, Savage X Fenty had revenues of $150 million. Again, she repeated her strategy of an inclusion and a desire to provide products that would help women of all sizes feel sexy, and not just those of the size that retailers determined should feel sexy. Savage Fenty is known for its inclusivity in sizes, going from size extra small through 3XL, well as affordability. In 2021, the company raised $115 million. At the time of this recording, we are a few weeks away from Rihanna appearing at the Super Bowl. Many of her fans are eagerly awaiting her performance as she hasn't been on a stage in years. But taking advantage of this lead up to, she did a special collection of football or Super Bowl themed merchandise that she dropped in conjunction with the announcements of that she would be the halftime performer and the different promos that have been released leading up to the big game, the Super Bowl, have featured her in her own merchandise. So not only is that a brilliant marketing strategy, it also showcases brilliant negotiating at the hands of her attorneys because I'm sure they had to go pretty hard to get that approval from the powers that be at the NFL. Rihanna recently gave birth to her first child, a son, and although she's gearing up for her first performance in years, and it's rumored that maybe she's going to drop a new album and perhaps do a tour, she certainly has a lot on her plate just with her starting a family and all of her businesses, so we all will eagerly await to see what Rihanna decides to do next.
As I stated at the beginning of this episode, I was interested in talking about Rihanna for a few different reasons, and actually her music was the least of them. The big thing that stands out to me about Rihanna, what I think she illustrates, is just the power when you lean into your difference. By leaning into differences, she became a channel or a voice for those who didn't feel seen, understood, or valued. It was something that was important to her, and it was a phenomenal business decision, which has resulted in her billionaire status. So what are the brand gems and what does it mean for you? Brand gem number one, inclusion is profitable. What set Rihanna's business ventures apart from other celebrity brands was her emphasis on inclusion. This was groundbreaking for a celebrity brand to focus on closing a gap in industry that have historically excluded many diverse consumers. It played that key part, as I mentioned, in launching her into billionaire status. In the past, the call for greater visibility of people of color in the beauty industry and inclusion of all sizes and shapes in the fashion landscape, it just went unheeded. But by putting inclusivity at the heart of her business, Rihanna revolutionized and reshaped the beauty and fashion realms when she launched her companies. Brand gym number two, focusing on a niche is not negative and is instead quite the opposite. A niche creates opportunity. Brand gym number three, validate your customer's feelings. There is power in seeing, hearing, and understanding the feelings of your customers. Understand their deepest desires and needs and make sure that your product or service delivers that. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Andrea Wade with Brand Gems. You just listened to another episode of Brand Gems. Be sure to follow so you don't miss future episodes and please share with anyone you think will find the information useful. Until next time.